0: darn shame that the praise band just can't play, Uh, you know. I think we might need to check the smoke alarm. There's some smoke going on over here. Something's on fire. Well, I'm glad that you all are here. Uh, Again, my name is Pastor Bill. I want to welcome you to a sermon series that we are in the middle of called Good News People. And here's the thing about Good News People. There's plenty of bad news out there. There's not enough good news out there. Now, let me ask you this question. If we are the people that have the good news and there's not enough good news out there, then what's the problem? It might be us. But n- never fear, we've got a fix today. Let me show you where we've been and where we're going. Today is February 19th. We're on a title called Church People. So before that, we had rejected an In God We Trust question mark. If you ever want to go back and check anything that we have done, we have a, a YouTube channel, WordServe YouTube. We also have a Facebook page, and you can go back there and catch all the worship services. If you want to cut to the chase, just get to the sermon. Go to wordserv.org slash sermons, and you can get any sermon there since, I don't know, Moses walked the earth, all right? So, uh, and then we'll be going on through the, the rest of this series. Humble One, Fig Free, that is not Fig Tree, Fig Free, and Do the New. So that's where we're at today. Uh, For those of you who are uninitiated, let me me just say this. I like to talk with you, not at you. So there may be random times where there's audience participation encouraged, and this is one of those times. So I'm going to take a very scientific poll. Let me explain how this works. I'm going to say a phrase, and I want your reaction. You have three votes, and here's how you vote. I think it has a positive connotation. I'm indifferent. I think it has a negative connotation. Now, let me explain. I know people are very nervous about voting in public because you don't want people to know how you vote. So if you want this to be a secret ballot, just cover it up, okay? <laughs> Nobody needs to know how you voted, all right? So again, your three choices are positive connotation, indifferent, negative connotation. And I want your honest first reaction. And here's the phrase. You ready? to Get your voting machines ready. Are you ready? Here's the phrase. Church people. Oh, this is interesting. You should see my view right now. this is okay thank you very much. Thank you for voting. This is interesting. Church people has uh, I'm getting a mix of some positive and some indifference a few negatives But you know as I, as I look at the world outside of these walls I got to tell you church people doesn't always have a positive connotation. And I'm just being honest here and the people that I talk to who are not church people have a different view and we need to, we need to work on that. In fact, I had a, a friend send me a, a clip from a cartoon. It was the, the kids were getting back together as school were starting. And uh, some of the other kids were talking to, the, to this, this couple of kids. They said, hey, we missed you all summer. Where have you been? And they said, well, we've been at church camp, learning to be more judgmental. <laughs> this is what the world thinks of us, folks. we got a serious problem here. we got a serious P, P, uh, PR problem, right? And we can fix it, though. That's the good news. So uh, a lot of times, church people might like look like this to the outside. We just we shout at each other. We can't get along. It's like, really, if you're all about love, why are you so hateful? Or as my mother used to say, if you got the joy of Jesus in your heart, would you let your face know? Right? <laughs> so uh, church people may or may not have a good connotation. In fact, I found a quote. Uh, this might sting a little. I'm just going to warn you. It's kind of ripping a Band-Aid off, but here we go. The church right now has more fashion than passion is more pathetic than prophetic, and is more superficial than supernatural. Ouch. That kind of hurts. Now, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I'm on the inside. My problem is, how do I communicate this to the outside? How do I bring people into this God of miracle love that can change everything? That's our challenge today, and here's my hope, and I found another quote to counterbalance the bad one. This will get the bad taste out of your mouth. Andy Stanley says this, Jesus is the hope of the world, and the local church is the vehicle of expressing that hope to the world. Like I said before, if the world doesn't have a good enough, uh, a, enough good news, and we have good news, then we have a responsibility to communicate that good news to the world, to be that good news. And I'm convinced that the local church is the answer. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where people can actually see what is here lived out, albeit imperfectly. I am not Jesus Christ. I don't think anybody here is. I recognize most of you. So it's not about living perfectly. It's about living to perfection. In other words, let the Holy Spirit work through us. If we promise to say nothing that we don't hear from God and do nothing we don't see from God, we're miles ahead in this good news people environment. And that's my encouragement to us today. So how do we shake this connotation of church people? Well, we go to one of the most famous church people of all, Anybody guess who I'm talking about? Who's the most famous church people in the Bible? Oh, come on. The Pharisees. Yeah. Well, okay, Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, when I, when I say negative connotation of church people, the Pharisees are probably one of the most negative connotations of church people because outside it looks very rules-based. It's very much, I'm all about the rules, but I've forgotten the love. I've forgotten why I do what I do. So the Pharisees, in this case, are, are coming to Jesus. Now, in fairness, like church people, not all church people are bad. In fact, I'm looking at a lot of good church people right now. And not all Pharisees are bad either, because the Pharisees actually come to warn Jesus. He's been teaching. He's gotten Herod's attention. He's gotten the attention of some of the other people who are powerful, movers and shakers in the city, and they don't like him very much. In fact, they kind of want to kill him. And that's where our text picks up today. We're going to be in Luke 13, if you brought your Bibles, Luke 13, verses uh, 31 through, man, that print gets smaller every Sunday, I swear, 35. (laughs) Uh, Jeff is going to do the honors of rolling through the scripture as I talk, so it's on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles. Listen to how this goes. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stone, those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Did you hear the the two key things in this verse? The two key things in this passage because there's one chiller and there's one thriller. So let's start with the chiller. What's the chiller? Did you hear God, uh, Jesus' reaction? Did you hear his sorrow over Jerusalem? He desires nothing more than to gather them together. Now, this, this imagery where he says, um, I gather, uh, I long to gather you together as children, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. In Jewish tradition, that was a very strong image of a bird that would gather, the mother hen that would gather the chicks under the wing. In fact, there are some remarkable photographs. Um, Maybe some of you have seen it. There was a prairie chicken that burned in a prairie fire and protected its babies. And the bird, the mother bird died in the fire, but they found the babies alive underneath the wing of the mother. Isn't that remarkable? That in Jewish tradition was a very powerful image because for some reason, unlike us, these people were stubborn and stiff-necked. And they just kind of did whatever they wanted to do. And so they were constantly being scattered and doing the wrong thing and trying to come back. And God would try to gather them and try to gather them. And that was what he wanted more than anything, to gather them back under the safety and security of his wings so they could be one again, just like he intended in the beginning. But for some reason, they tended to stray I'm so glad we don't have these problems these days. So his sorrow was there because he longed to gather them, but listen to what he says. Now, if you go back to last week, I talked about can can we trust God? And does anybody remember the questions that we asked about when can we trust God? How do I know I can trust God? There were two key questions. Anybody got an idea of them? You didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz, did you? Dude, are you, you, are, are you available in a few weeks? Because I am I, I want you to do this. Yeah. No, here's, here's the two key questions that you can ask, is to ask if you can trust God. Did God ever do anything he said he wouldn't do? And the corollary is, did God ever not do something he said he would do? Because if that's true, I can trust him. Now, we want this to be a happy book. We want this to be nothing but love and comfort and strength and a nice big blanket in front of a warm fire, but it is not that kind of book. What this book says is, if you follow me, and he says this to his people throughout history, if you follow me, it's going to go well. If you don't, it's going to go poorly. And back in Ezekiel, that's where this imagery is coming from. Ezekiel 10 and 11, if you want to read those chapters, I'm not going to read it because it's a whole bunch of stuff, but let me cut to the chase. The people are straying. They're adopting foreign gods, foreign practices. God sends the prophet Ezekiel to say, look, if you turn back now, we can save this thing if you don't it's going to be desolation for you. Those vineyards that you work so hard on and they're producing all this fruit, somebody else is going to get the profit from that. The house that you were so proud of and that you built, somebody else is going to live in that because you are going to have desolation. You're going to be in exile. we are going to send an army to sweep through and it's not going to be pretty. And sure enough, those stubborn, stiff-necked people didn't change. And sure enough, God did exactly what he said he would. And there was desolation. There was exile. Not pleasant. Not at all. And that's what Jesus says right here. Listen. He says, uh, look, your house is left to you desolate. Now, I love this picture because Jesus is looking right over the top of the city of Jerusalem. And and maybe you can't see it too well, but the, the temple is right there in the middle of the screen. He's looking at the temple. And to the Jewish people, the temple was where God resided. That was the presence of God. And if life was good and you had a temple, God was with you and nothing could shake you. Nothing could stop you. But as he's looking at the house of God, he's telling Jerusalem, your house will be desolate. The presence of God will leave from you and you will be open to whatever the world wants to do with you. That's not exactly thrill, you know. great news, right? That's why I call this the chiller. This chills me to the bone. I hope it does you too. Because the word that is true then is the word that is true today. If we stray, we leave ourselves open to whatever the world wants to do with us. That's our choice. I hope we make it a good one. But in this whole process of chilling, I don't want to leave you there because, man, that's, man, where's the good news? I thought you said this was good news, Bill. It is great news because here's the the thriller for me. I love what Jesus says when he says, hey, you need to stop. Herod wants to kill you. I like this look of determination in Jesus' eyes, like, "Um, no, (laughs) I will keep on. In fact, I'm convinced that if we put those four words on our mirror and said that every day about our Christian walk, this world would be a different place. I will keep on. Oh, but people are going to hate you. I will keep on. People might betray you. I will keep on. People might want to kill you. I will keep on. Because that's what Jesus says. Did you catch that? Look, there, but go tell that fox. There's how to win friends and influence people. Go tell that fox I will keep on doing what? Exactly what God said he would do. This is why I can trust him. The mission never changes. Okay, somebody may not like me. Okay, somebody may want to kill me. But you know what? The mission is going to be done. I'm going to continue driving out demons. I'm going to continue to set captives free. I'm going to continue to give sight to the blind. I'm going to continue to support those who are oppressed. Nothing changes no matter what the world throws at me. I will keep on. Those are four powerful words. So maybe one of the things that we can take away from this is adopt a faith that says, I will keep on as well. Now I understand, I'm not Jesus. I hope you understand that too. If you know me, (laughs) you know. If you don't, I'm not Jesus, I'm not your Savior, and I'm not perfect. So yeah, I will keep on and I will make mistakes. I can guarantee you one thing in life, I will make mistakes. But I will not let mistakes stop me. I will not let my mistakes become the burden of oppression that Jesus came to set me free from. I pray you don't either. I will not let my mistakes be what the world sees when it looks for Christ. Because if I'm open to Christ, I can let Christ work through me. And if I'm open enough, hopefully it gets to the point where they don't see me anymore. They see Christ. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be like, I don't know, heaven here on earth. And it's not impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. I hope you hear that this morning. We're not looking for perfection. But we are looking for persistence. I will keep on. Take those four words to your mirror. Say it every day until it becomes your reality, until it becomes your faith walk, and keep on. That's my encouragement to us this morning. There's a a quote, oh, excuse me. Uh, Here specifically is what it looks like for us at WordServe today in this environment. How do I keep keeping on? Well, if you become a member of WordServe, there is a membership partner covenant And wow, is that an eye check for you? How are you doing out there? So all I really want to focus on is, uh, here's the things that I say, if you want to be a member, if you want to make a difference in this world, then say, I will keep on doing these things. I will keep on supporting you with my prayers, my presence, my gifts, my service, and my witness. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Those are the membership vows of our church. And when you become a member, this is our pledge. That no matter what the world throws at me, yeah, there'll be setbacks, yeah, there'll be mistakes, but I will keep on praying. I asked earlier how many people think prayer is effective. If that's true, why don't we do it more often? Because it costs too much. (laughs) It's too expensive, too time-consuming. I don't know. But you know, and and this uh, let me let me put a caveat out first because this is going to sound bad, but stick with me, please. When I look at church prayer requests, the overwhelming majority of requests are for my health. Please pray for my health. Is there anything wrong with that? Not a thing. Please continue to pray that. But you're scratching the tip of the iceberg for what Jesus can do. Where are the prayers that say bring people in who don't know Jesus? Where are the prayers that say I want to see 50 baptisms this year? Where's the prayer that says, I want to see a revival. I want to see changed hearts. I want a fire to start right here that spreads here and then spreads here. Where are those prayer requests? Because if we believe this is powerful, why don't we pray bigger? Is our God that small? God can do anything. He is a God of miracles. Why don't we pray the big prayers and the the other prayers? And they're not little prayers. And Notice I almost said little. They're not little. They're important. But, folks, I think our prayer life could use a serious boost. I think we're not praying big enough to the big God that we serve. So, okay, I haven't done it right. Maybe I've made some mistakes. But you know what? I will keep on, and I will pray big prayers. Presence. Your presence here is amazing. In fact, as I look out at this crowd of people this morning, I feel great hope. Because that local church is that expression of Christ's message to the world. Our presence here, you may not think anything about your presence here, like sitting in a chair, but I can tell you there are stories of people who come through this door and they see people that look just like you and they go, I'm inspired by your presence. And you think I'm making this up. I'm not. When people see you and they see, oh, I know what struggles they're going through, and yet they're here. I see them raising their hand in worship. I see them closing their eyes. I see them praying. I see them whatever that inspires me. If you walk in that door and there were five people here, you would go, what's wrong with this place? Wouldn't you? Uh, I do it every Sunday. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding, kidding. (laughs) But it would be weird if we say, hey, we've got the hope of the world. Come join both of us. No, that's not inspiring. Your presence makes a difference. Your presence makes a difference in Family Hope Food Fair. Your presence makes a difference in Sealy Pregnancy Resource Center. Your presence is that first step that someone might see that gets them to hear. I love what Pat said earlier. What we do is we shut our mouths and open our ears and our arms. God, if we did more of that, I wonder what would this world look like? It would be amazing because that's where you build that relationship. And what we always say at WordServe is build the relationship that will bear the weight of truth because there is truth to be had, but maybe not right up front. Let's build this relationship. Let's get to know each other, and then let's get this relationship going. That's the the point of everything that we do. So your presence is key. Your gifts. Man, are you a gifted people. I am in awe. Every time I talk to people and I learn about people's backgrounds, the skills, the abilities, the experience that they have, I'm floored. Y'all are awesome. You should let the world know that. And you should do that for his kingdom. I think a lot of times, we, yeah, I use my gifts at work, and I'm kind of burned out by the time I get here. Well, you know, here's the thing about gifts. Gifts are actually energizing. Have you noticed that? Like, I can be as tired as can be, but you put me in the heart of my gifts, and suddenly I come alive. Or maybe it's the caffeine. I don't know. But seriously, it can be rewarding. It can be energizing. When you use your gifts for the kingdom, it is empowering. And you can see the difference in the world. It's effortless. It's like running downhill. You just let God do the work. So don't hold back on your gifts. My uh, service, well, gee, if you're in a church called word serve, you should probably anticipate a little serving, I'm just saying. Our service to the world is where our hands and feet, it's one of the most powerful witnesses that you have. How many people have ever tried to talk to someone about Christ? Okay, another secret poll. It went well, eh, or it went poorly. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's a lot of I don't really know, which is okay. We're just called to sow seed. We're not necessarily called to harvest. And if you're sowing seed, guess what? You keep on sowing seed. That's the way that goes. So our service is one thing that people can see Christ in. When you work at Seely Pregnancy Resource Center, when you work with Family Hope, when you take kids' food at Faithful Kids, people see something that's different than this world has to offer. Have you ever had someone come up to you and go, why are you doing that? (laughs) I've had a lot of people ask me that, not maybe for the right reasons, but why are you doing that? (laughs) Why are you doing that? It's because the love of Christ compels me to do this, and I want you to know the peace and the joy that is available in him. See, there's your entry. There's your entry into evangelism. You don't have to memorize tons of scripture. You don't have to be able to quote Latin, Was that ever a thing? I don't know. Uh, You don't have to do, do, do all these things and go to seminary. What you have to do is let God work through you as you live. My service. And finally, my witness. You know, I'm convinced that some of the reason that the world doesn't have more good news is maybe we're not seeing God. And I'm convinced that the reason we're not seeing God is we're not doing anything that requires his presence. We're praying small prayers. We're living small lives. We're not living lives worthy of the one that we serve. And I am chief among you. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm pointing the finger right here. But even though I make mistakes, I will keep on. That's the way this works. And I want to see God move. I don't know how many people are following the news. There is a huge revival breaking out right now at Asbury College. Have you seen this? That's right across the street from where I went to seminary. Yeah, yeah, big, big. Thank you for the round of applause. A a huge uh, revival is breaking out at Asbury College. It's been going on for weeks. The mainstream media has picked this up. Don't you know that God has perfect timing? Don't you think that God is up there going, this is the moment. This is the beginning. And I wonder if God is also saying, I want that fire to spread to Fulcher, Texas. I want Fulcher, Texas to spread that fire to Fort Bend County. I want Fort Bend County to spread that fire to Texas. I want Texas to you get the idea, Judea, Samaria, and beyond. What if this is our moment? And what if we miss it? God's going to do what God's going to do. We either get on board or we miss the show. If we do this right, <clears throat> if we do the, uh, the, all, all of those five things and we say, I will keep on doing them even if I make mistakes, then we're going to recognize something. God's on the move. And here's the thing about being under the wing of God. That, that sounds great. That sounds like shelter. That sounds like comfort. It sounds like protection. But how do you stay under a wing that moves? Jesus isn't sitting still. In fact, if you look at God in the Bible, he never sits still. You have a one in seven chance of catching Him resting. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) He's on the move. So how do you stay under that wing? Well, boy, we better learn to fly formation. That's what we better do. We better get up out of our foxholes. We better get in formation. We better go where God is going if we want to see a difference in this world. That's the way this works. And if we do that, look at what happens. This quote that I gave earlier If we do that, I will keep on and I will do these five things. I will fly formation wherever Jesus goes. Watch what happens when we flip the script. I'm going to read this the way that Jesus sees it. The church that is church people, the the church that is good news people right now has more passion than fashion. It's more prophetic than pathetic. And it's more supernatural than superficial. That's the way Jesus sees this verse. Let me just say this. The that is, that is spectacular. It's hard to put in human terms what that looks like in reality. But if you remember earlier, I mentioned the prophet Ezekiel that was being quoted and the desolation that would occur. But listen to the whole story, the end of the story, as church people become good news people. Third time's a charm. This is what the prophet, uh, the God is saying through the prophet. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations. I will bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it. They will remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. This is good news, people, and this is for the people of good news. May it begin here. May it begin now. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the good news, the good news uh, where captives are set free. The good news where the oppressed are lifted of their burden. The good news where you give sight to the blind. God, forgive us when we treat you as too small. Forgive us when we let the world dictate what we do and don't do. Forgive us when we allow our mistakes to pile up and and create a burden that you have already freed us from. Forgive us when we fail to say, I will keep on because that is the perfect picture of your son, Jesus Christ. No matter what went wrong, the disciples, they betrayed him. Three years he spent with him, God, he said, I will keep on. No matter what faced him, the cross, betrayal, mockery, death, torture, I will keep on. God, because he did that, we are here today. Help us to see the bigger picture that while things may not look good now, when we say, I will keep on, That's not the end of the story, because he will keep on through the cross. He will keep on to the grave, and he will keep on from the grave, the risen one, the only one. God, help us to keep that perseverance and persistence until we live into the full stature of Christ. And may the world see you through us, and may you get all the glory, honor, and praise which you so much deserve. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you